Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What are your thoughts on Kyle Lowry right now? Well, I think we should set the table first. I mean, this all started with the report from Bruce Arthur for the Toronto Star when he said, you know, about Paul George possibly being available, which we later found out that the whole entire league is available, apparently, from Porzingod to (laughs) PG-13 to Jimmy Butler. Like Zach Lowe says, kazoos. It's just kazoos in the NBA right now. It's nuts. (laughs) So... (laughs) It all started there, and then he basically said that Lowry, you know, might leave Toronto. Right. And that's that set him off, man, because he, he ended up tweeting out that, you know, I don't usually do this too often, but don't believe everything you hear. Yeah, now that's... Now we're at this point. That's pretty interesting, <laughs> man. I'm, it's kind of interesting to hear that coming from any player, because you're kind of uh, giving up leverage a little bit when you do stuff like that. You're just like, yeah, you know, I might actually stay, even though like all the reports or sources, I'm doing air quotes right now, sources You're say... You're doing what Jury did, sources. <laughs> right, and sources say that uh, he might leave or he's not happy in the place, and then you're just like, ah, you know, it might be BS. That kind of like, kind of surrender some leverage there, you know? Well, off the air, you were talking a lot about leverage, you and I, and you were saying how, uh, sorry, we were both were saying how... The teams that Kyle Lowry could possibly go to don't necessarily need him anymore. At least the rumored teams. Like the 76ers is always, I think, a fanboy dream that people like to put together because, you know, he's from Philly. Philly need a point guard. It makes sense. Oh, hey, sorry. They just traded for the number one pick. So scratch them off. Mm-hmm. The Spurs apparently have no interest. Right. Apparently. And the only one that I really think makes sense, because I'm not going to go through the other options here, is the Rockets. I think the Rockets is the only legitimate threat to the Raptors to sign Kyle Lowry. But again, the difference between these teams and the Raptors is that. For all these other teams, Kyle Lowry is not the first option. He's their second, third, maybe fourth guy they're going to pursue in free agency. For the Raptors, Kyle Lowry is the clear-cut number one guy. And seeing how sensitive he can be at times, sensitive may be a wrong word to use, but he he just he wears his heart on his sleeve. That kind of stuff might matter to him, you know? Yeah, that's true. You We'd even mention the Brooklyn Nets, man. The infamous Brooklyn Nets. Well, they're out too. <laughs> yeah, because they just traded for D'Angelo, so... Yeah, you're you're right. It's down to the Rockets, and he left the Rockets on uh, not the greatest terms. Let's just say <laughs> so. Uh, I mean, Gordon Dragic kind of took his job, and then they basically kicked him to the wayside. <laughs> yeah, and then he got traded to what Memphis, or was that before Memphis? Or sorry, was that after Memphis? Anyways, yeah, he's been you know he's been bounced around the league, and uh, he him and Houston were not uh, he didn't leave Houston on the best of terms. So I don't. It's kind of hard to picture him picture him going back. You know, plus they have Patrick Beverly that they're also trying to trade. Sources say so. 
Yeah. More sources. Well, I think Patrick Beverly is very easy to move because he's got an eight million dollar contract in today's CBA. That's mad cheap. That's, <laughs> that's yeah, that's ridiculous. Bro, like, that's like having like me on like a ten day deal or something. Yeah, you know? like for what he does for that team, like he's an intricate intricate part to that team to only be getting paid eight million. Like Andre Iguodala, who's the sixth man on the Warriors, gets paid like twelve twelve million. He's coming off the bench, so. And apparently he might look to leave leave too. So, yeah, look, I, I, I like the summer this year, and it's not even July, and we're talking about trades and free agency and stuff, and the draft hasn't even happened, and we're talking about uh, people moving. People are already joking around on Twitter and everywhere else that the off season NBA rumors are better than the entire regular season, oh. and that might be fair to say. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah, because we live in we get to live in this like fantasy land in the off season where you know by the beginning of the next season everybody's going to be healthy and then we're all just thinking like if everybody just remains healthy throughout the end until the end of the season into the playoffs and this this and this can happen and can you imagine the combination of this guy and this guy and uh yeah so when the regular season's happening you kind of you know we love basketball but then we also like imagining what cool basketball would look like and that's what the free agency allows for us well, before we start to try and figure out what X, Y, and Z is going to be on a certain team here, give me your thoughts on Kyle Lowry potentially leaving the Raptors and what that top destination would be for him. Because I think, like, do you agree it's the Rockets or no? I can't think of any other team, to be honest. Like, I really can't. So it has to be the Rockets. Um, if he leaves, we can be on the brink of the teardown. Yay. <laughs> Yay, hundred percent. How could it not be? Yay, um, how could it not? I mean, some people like watching the Raptors win. The Raptors have been bad for a while, a long time until recently. So that's the only way I can picture it being bad. But you know, this could just be if I'm Masai Ujiri, and I'm trying to you know mask um, the the rebuilding effort this is kind of like the first step it's like we tried to sign him and he wouldn't agree to the contract and he went to houston so we're gonna develop young talent <laughs> well i mean what he said in his pre-draft press conference is that the Raptors are prepared for a variety of situations a lot of that is obviously contingent on the domino that is kyle lowry but right. he also did say there's about five different scenarios that are likely for them mm-hmm. he wouldn't get into details of it but i think we could kind of piece together what some of them are um the first, let's just go to the first easy one here. If the Raptors re-sign Kyle Lowry, what would they have to add next to become quote-unquote contenders? Or is that even possible? Because I don't think it is. They would have to like they would hypothetically they would have to add some something like uh, Paul George or something. They'd have to make some sort of trade for him. And then I don't really see like there is a trade you know that exists. It's not really an amicable trade. Like I don't think the Pacers would want it, but. Uh, that trade with, like, I think we brainstormed that DeMar- the Damari Carroll trade. <laughs> well, it's got to be Damari or JV for money's sake. Right, and then you'd and have then to trade likely going to be. Yeah, Powell or DeLon Wright would likely be one of the two, plus a pick. Right. And that's and just then you're for getting to the point rental. where you go, uh, I don't know about this anymore. Yeah, it's a, it's a year <laughs> rental, right? And Powell, I'd rather have Powell for like five years, six years than a year of Paul George. Because then even if you get Paul George, it's like, are we. Are we really making it over the Cavs? I mean, maybe. Maybe. Well, I mean, this leads to so many more questions. That's the beauty of the NBA right now is this is literally the perfect, like, barbershop conversation where there's so many things leading to another mm-hmm. is people are very swift to bring up right now Paul George's tweet. 
when he said, you know, put me and DeMar together in Toronto and let's get right. Like, let's basically, you know, let's win. You're right, right. That that was from, uh, man, I want to say like 2012 at this point. Ago, I have to yeah. go back and dig it up. But people like to point to that and say, hey, he might sign long term here. I don't know where the hell it's coming from because, you know, his agents pretty much made it clear that L.A. is his He's number one choice. to the Lakers. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know, he can just, so, the only other way to make it more clear is like to stamp it on his forehead. Right. And when he plays, like you see it every time. It's like going to Lakers 2018. Yeah. So I don't understand where that narrative is coming from aside from a tweet. Now, the second thing that a lot of Raptors fans are pointing to right now about why they should perhaps, you know, try and stay contenders is um, Cleveland kind of has a crazy owner. Oh, but Dan, Dan they, and, they and they have yeah, no GM. And they have no GM right now. They, they have no GM. They have no assistant GM. And apparently they let him go without LeBron's consent. Now, I know people like to say, well, LeBron is the GM, the coach. He does everything there and that he might have known. Look, I don't know if you guys heard. um, He had an interview. I want to say it was last week. I can't remember what it was on. I think it was uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. And he was basically saying how uh, his family and his mom and his wife and everybody was like, you know, you don't have to go back to Cleveland. Like, we know you don't get along with Dan Gilbert. And LeBron was saying how, no, I got to go back and win a title for the land. I got to show the kids there that, you know, you can make it out. There's a way out, blah, blah, blah. All the, like, very, like – heroic LeBron stuff that you mm-hmm. hear from him. However, there was this huge distaste you could feel for Dan Gilbert still. So now people are saying <laughs> with all of this that's going on with the Cavs right now and what's pretty much dysfunction, will he leave the Cavs next season? And if he does and you're the Raptors, does it make sense not to stay contenders? That's a really long-winded explanation, but there's so many layers to the NBA right look now. <laughs> at you, look at you peeling back every single one of them. I mean, from the from the top, right? Like Losing your GM and assistant GM who happened to be like probably one of the, like they're probably top five GMs GMs in the league? Like uh, I can't like really think of anybody that's bet better than what David Griffin Griffin was doing with the Cavs when they had like no cap space and they were still adding stuff. They had all thank you, ma- and they're making all these like trade exceptions like so to make filler for contracts and it was like it was ridiculous how much stuff you can you could get on that team with uh, such limited assets. And, yeah, because uh, people like to rip on Gil- on um, not Gilbert on uh, Griffin, and they like to say, you know, well, what did he really do? I mean, look at Channing Fry not working out now. Richard Jefferson, meh. That worked Kyle out last Corbett, year. Bust. All yeah, of that exactly. worked, worked out last, last year. year. Like, but when you every... look at what was available to him, sure, he whiffed on Bogan and Darren Williams, who hasn't made a shot since May 29th, By the way, we're still counting. <laughs> um, what do you? What do you? I don't understand what people expected him to do. He had no cap space, and he made all these moves, and he kept the Cavs contenders. He did a lot of things to actually maximize what they had. Like, they so. had Mozgov, they had Delhi, right? Those weren't part of the squad to begin with. Mozgov and Delhi weren't just, like, chilling there, right? And they also had to... They picked up RJ. They picked up J.R. Smith and Shumpert. Man, they got Shumpert and J.R. I can't even remember what they got. It was, like, for dirt, basically. Like, I think they gave him, like, a draft pick and, like, some random crap, right? And they Pretty got much. J.R. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and it was, just like, J.R. Smith and uh, Iman Shumpert, both of which you were... I mean, Jared Smith was, a, like, a major contributor to the team for the past three years. Jared, uh, Miles Shumper, not so much. But, like, it's been worth it, man. And he's done it with basically not Like, he's basically done all of this with, like, a rock and a stick. Right? Pretty and he, built, <laughs> and he like, built the Like, channel. literally. No, seriously. When you think about it, what they have, they have, sure, a generational player in LeBron James. But for what they've had to add around him, he's done a great job. And also had- I guess Dan Gilbert's strategy is to go back to just hoping that, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime player is going to be born in the same state and wants to play in Cleveland because, let's face it, 
Nobody wants to play in Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. And even Kevin Love didn't doesn't want, didn't want to play in Cleveland. Like he wanted to leave for the Lakers, and David Griffin had to like negotiate that trade for Andre Wiggins to get uh, Kevin Love. Like he has to do he had to do all of this. I think this is a severe oversight by the owner and like realizing how much that Dan, David Griffin was actually doing for this team. But when you look at his history and his track record, he's never re-upped a general manager during his time. So this is all par for the course for a crazy, crazy Dan Gilbert, who has a weird obsession with the Pistons, by the way. I know he's like from there and you know loves the Detroit basketball in the 80s with Lampier and those guys. But, right. man, it's just it's weird. Like, Chauncey Billups is an ex-GM now, apparently. So one thing I found really difficult when preparing for this podcast in particular is I had so many things written down, man. I had so much NBA <laughs> stuff. But I'm like, where to start? Right. Like, Chauncey Billups was doing TV before he became, or before this negotiation or, like, sort of, like, stuff, like, talks about him getting the GM spot. Like, he was doing TV, bro. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't, like, a scout for a team or something like that. He was, like, yeah, he was just on TV being an analyst. So, I, you know, I'm skeptical of that. And this go, this ties all the way back to the beginning of when you asked me, is like, does it make sense for the Raptors to try and stay like a contender status with, you know, this turmoil in the Cavs, uh, Cavs front office? I guess so, man. You could, because now at this point, when you're going to have what looks like basically a rookie GM uh, coming in, you're going to probably, he's probably not going to be um, privy to all the things that are happening, you know, with the team specifically and then around the league. And then he's going to have to pick up the sticks on, like, what the team is scouting, what the team is, like, looking for to surround LeBron with. Like, any sort of trades, like, any sort of trades that um, David Griffin was, like, organizing before. So, like, that that Paul George or Jimmy Butler trade, those are nixed, and you're going to have to start those over. And now that I'm the, like, I'm the Bulls or the Pacers, I'm like, like, scrap everything that we were doing, all those, like, the negotiating all of the, like, you know, um, all of, like, the handshakes and, you know, like, uh, kind of, like, nudges. He's like, here, you can pick me up on this later or we'll get, like, a second rounder off of yours. No. They're starting from ground zero, and they're probably trying to, like, work him over now. They're probably going to ask for a lot more than they were doing with David Griffin. Well, to clarify something with the Bulls and Cavs trade, I think that was all bullshit to begin, to be honest, because Jerry Reinsdorf, the Bulls owner, is not exactly friends with Dan Gilbert. Um, the two don't get along. That's pretty, you know, I don't want to say well-known, but there's just a distaste between those two. And I don't see why he would want to give Jimmy Butler to the Cavs to help them out in any way possible when the Cavs have zero assets to give back to him. Like, what are they going to give back? Kevin Love and a first-round pick in 2024? <laughs> they don't have a lot of first-round picks coming up, right? <laughs> so I don't understand where that rumor was developing from. The Paul George one, okay, maybe, because... It's the same thing you said with Kyle Lowry. The Raptors have minimal leverage. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, Kyle Lowry has minimal leverage with the Raptors. The Pacers have minimal leverage when it comes with Paul George now. He's made it clear where he wants to go. He's told them he's going to opt out. And they're kind of handcuffed. So they're going to have to take whatever they can get. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I don't know. It's I guess if you're the Raptors, it pays to stick around right now. Because the Cavs can slip up. LeBron is just like, yo, PCZ, I'm going to the Lakers next year or the Clippers next year. Right? And then there's just like... It's just a power vacuum in the East, right? And if Boston doesn't sign Gordon Hayward this offseason, then, you know, Raptors could be on top. Just, you know, could be. It could, it's one of those where, like, uh, 
like a, the leader in a country like dies like like a dictatorship or something like that and it dies and then everybody's just kind of like looking around for who the next dude is and you just like <laughs> <laughs> and then you just like you know nobody says for it so you just like take one step and then people are looking at you and then you take your second step and then people are looking at you still then the third and then the fourth and then you finally step into the light and then it's you then you're the next leader that's what <laughs> right. that's totally what can happen if lebron leaves the east man because he's just been like the king of the east for since he's been in the league basically since he's a monolith since he's uh hot. since they lost to the magic like after the magic he's just been in he's just been the dude in the east so when he leaves like people are gonna start looking around and it could be it could be the raptors this is like the one scenario like if I'm a Ujiri, if I'm like the the team who wants to like guys, we just keep it together, you know, continu- uh, continuity. Everybody will get better. Continuity, continuity, continuity. I mean, if you're part of that, if you're part of that division of Raptors fandom or the front office, then you know you're just hoping LeBron leaves. Basically, if LeBron leaves, Cleveland is pretty much Chernobyl because it'll be like a nuclear meltdown. There'll be nothing left in that city. Um, yeah. here, here's my issue, man. Is a core of let's just hypothetically say, Lowry, DeRozan. I guess we'll go Abaka for now, mm-hmm. or Paul George. I let's just say Lowry, DeRozan, and you can insert a superstar you like here, because that'll be the last max guy, and the Raptors will pretty much be capped out of that. Right. Is that good enough to beat a team like a Boston or a Philadelphia? Because those are two very hot upcoming teams that people like to point to and say, "Hey, those are the next teams in the Eastern Conference once LeBron James leaves." Right. If he leaves, I think they can so be Boston. Is, is that enough? You think so? I think, okay. I think they can be Boston. I'm surprised that you put in Philadelphia. You're just like Philadelphia is about to just like become a 60 win team. I don't think it will be, <laughs> but a lot of people like to talk to them like they are right now. People oh, are okay. going crazy between man, Fultz, Simmons, Sarich, Covington, and then right. they go, you know, Joel right, Embiid. They're gonna have two and, rookies basically, I, and Ben Simmons see, and Fultz, who they're probably going to draft. Right, so. I understand everything you're saying right now. But people <laughs> like to hype up the Sixers. I think they just feel it's cool with the process narrative and all that stuff. Okay, okay. I like you they, know. They I love the seventy. Man, I watch more seventy sixers games this year than ever, and then I probably should have. Right. Me too. So, um, but they're fun. They're fun to watch. Yeah, I'm down for that team. I I don't think they're going to be good next year. Maybe the year after next. But uh, yeah, I'm down for that team. I just don't think they're going to be amazing next year. But yeah, well, if you don't think they're going to be amazing, then that really only leaves two teams in the East, maybe three, maybe. Right. Cavs, right. as long as LeBron's there. Boston, because they have picks until I'm pretty sure until the league dissolves. And then <laughs> this, the don't Wizards they have, don't they have like three first rounders for the next three years? Like they have Brooklyn, yeah. Sac, and like uh, the Clippers for like one year, and then one year they have like the Lakers, or one year they have the Kings. It was like it's crazy. Dude, they have so many picks that came in roster. All the players that yeah, made those picks. That's wild, bro. <laughs> that's insane. Marcus Smart or uh, Avery Bradley is getting the boot. Yep, basically. And then what? <laughs> and then what? I mean, then they have probably like the next generation. I mean, the way they're building their team is basically um, the way they're stockpiling the, the assets is like they're just waiting for the generational guy now because oh. this year they could have done. They could have gotten faults in, f- in first, right? And then they would have, like, maybe they're not re- resigning Isaiah and maybe trade him or something. But is, is Fultz really, like, the dude? Like, is he the next dude? Eh. So I think they're, they're just, like, waiting, biding time until, like, 
this is the one. This is the guy. This is the next Derrick Rose, Steph Curry, LeBron, KD. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that part. I think one of them could be R.J. Barrett in 2019, but we'll get into that when that time comes. I just, I'm just, you know, all year you and I have been talking about Boston in particular, and they're so interesting because they have so many picks. And what if they win the lottery? So they won the lottery. Now they traded that pick, and they have more picks. And now we're left with more of a mystery than before. And for Danny Ainge, dude, he put his entire – I don't want to use the word legacy, but we'll use what's going to define him because people always suffer from recency bias. And the last thing they'll see potentially is this trade. Like he's kind of put his reputation on the line here. That's true. I mean this is, I read this quote once where it goes, you can make every correct decision and still lose, right? And <clears throat> basically that's what he's doing right now. I'm not saying that he's going to specifically lose, but, like, every decision he's made so far has been the correct one. Because even if you're... Because if they're trying to win multiple championships or even one championship, trading down in what people think is a loaded draft is the correct decision because you're getting another draft pick in a later draft, right? And you still have, like... They went down from one to four, and they're still going to get, like, Tatum or, or Tatum or Josh Jackson, right? So it's still going to be a good prospect. But if you keep doing stuff like that constantly, over and over and over, where it's the right decision for, like, you know, marginal benefit right now, or you sacrifice a little bit right now for greater, a prospective greater future, if you keep doing that, then, you know, the future, you know, the future never arrives. And with right now, you're just suffering constantly. Right. So it's possible to be happening right now. But they're waiting on the next bro. They're waiting on the next generational dude. I don't know. Don't explain it to Celtics fans right now. <laughs> if you fail, <laughs> if you fail in never finding that next generational dude, then everybody's gonna look around and be like, "What the hell just happened?" They're already pissed. They already think that's what's happened, <laughs> right? So it's, it's men. Like it's depressing to talk to Celtics fans right now. But you guys are finding yourself tons of assets, but we have the number one pick, and now what do we have? <laughs> I'm like, okay, Jesus. All right. Right. Sorry I brought it up. So, but there are, the one thing is right. It's like if if nothing comes out of this, right, if they don't get, you know, the next amazing guy, then they're just going to be like, yeah, so we got all these assets, and then then what? You know? And then they're going to look at Danny Ainge as like, great. We were good for a while. I mean, because we're thinking, remember, this is if it was the Raptors, and we're just like, man, this is the this is the, what a time to be alive, right? But you're a Boston fan, and you're like, bro, we have six, I think it's 16 or 17 championships. We have the most championships in the league. Like, when's the next? Yep. You, know, <laughs> you know, the clock is ticking. I think what was the last time they won? It was 2008? 2009? So it's like, it's almost been a decade since they last won. And it's like, when's, when's the next one, bro? When? <laughs> they, they've been spoiled, they've been spoiled. <laughs> like, they're like they're that guy that's just like constantly looking at the clock or they have the room with just all clocks in it waiting for like one of them for them all to strike at 12 or something yes i mean they got fortunate for years with bill russell literally you know showing up and beating the lakers because they just could not beat bill russell in the lake and the celtics right and then they got used to winning and then they were bad for a bit and then danny ainge pulled off this what some people like to point to as the first big three but mm-hmm. That's subjective. Mm. That's very subjective. Mm. And then they won again. And then they had some success. And then they bottomed out. And now they're looking like they're back to getting back to that. Um, if you, What would you do if you were him, actually? I know this is not really on – it's not exactly like Raptors discussion. But it is related to the Raptors. So I think it's important. Right. If I'm Danny Ainge, I'm trying to finagle that, um, that Gordon Hayward uh, <laughs> free agency, like that signing. 
um, trying to make a jab at Jimmy Butler. So you're trying to like this is like wait, when you have nine draft picks over the next three years, you might as well just throw some fat into the fire, you know? Like just try to trade one or two of them trying to get Jimmy Butler. Then you have Jimmy Butler, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Isaiah Thomas. Like that's that's some that's some real stuff, dude. That's a real squad to to, to deal with. Then we're cooking with gas. Yeah, that's a problem. Right? So the first step for me, I got to make the signing, basically. I don't know what you have to say or do when you're Boston. I guess Boston, you're just like tradition. Uh, Gordon, I don't know what Gordon Hayward is really into because he lives in Utah, right? So there's not like... Yeah. <laughs> so like, there isn't really... No I mean, like his, his, his wife loves Utah, right? And... Uh, I remember, like her boy, her baby was wearing like a Boston onesie, and they were like laughing at it. So I guess they're—I don't know—maybe they're into comedy or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't—I don't really nice. know how you sell people. Nice. I don't really know how you sell people on Boston to be on, like, to be one hundred percent. Like, I don't really know how you sell somebody on Boston other than like we've been winning, our crowds are amazing, and then we're trying to continue to win, and then we have a billion assets. Join in on the potential. Like, they're kind of like. If the process had a stage two, or like if there was a advanced version or late stage process, this is what they would be. It's like good team, tons of assets. Let's do this. We don't have the superstar yet, but we have everything else. Get into this. See, I, I view the Celtics as that like historically powerful college football team that plays in the middle of nowhere, but they're right. really good, and you know they're really good just because they've won so much. So you kind of overlook the other things that you know you might not like, like weather. Mm-hmm. tax rate mm-hmm. um the fact that when you go around and boston isn't exactly large in area it's kind of a small town right but it's it's like it's just it's a stage above a small town but everybody still would recognize you and know you because it's not that big and because everybody's such hardcore celtic fans and just sports fans in general so your privacy is not exactly you know to the fullest and if you play like shit they're gonna be all over you like the new yeah. york media so it's not for everyone right exactly so i'm trying to you know i don't know it's hard for me me personally, it, it would take a lot of convincing to get me to move to Boston it, it, right now. But if also if I was a player, I'd be like, eh, you know, California is nice. <laughs> you know, I like the really West nice. Coast. You know, games come on earlier uh, in on the West Coast. Like, what's it like if if we're just talking about like life wise? Would you rather live in Portland or Boston? Like quality of life. Ooh, that's that's tough. I haven't been to Portland, so it's tough to say, but quality of life, like, can I just slide down a little bit further to California? I, I'm biased. <laughs> I love California. Even despite their high tax rate, I would still take it. Right, but like... And the, the, but the tax rate is something I don't think people talk about enough, to be honest. Like, I think that is something that'll help Houston, too, because there's no state tax. Mm-hmm. So they can not necessarily overpay some of these players, but these players can collect slightly more money because there's no tax. Exactly. So... I'm missing. I don't. I don't see it when free agents sign in Boston, other than the winning culture thing. Um, so if I'm trying to sign Hayward, you know Brad Stevens, he's he's being your dude. Like he's the one who saw the the spark in you when you were a kid, basically, and decided to sign you to a or not sign you, but like to recruit you to Butler when no other team would. And uh, yeah, I'm got that. Got picks. Great town. Great sports city great crowds you know the team is pretty good right now let's do it you know i guess that's really it. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Like, I don't, like, is there, like, a pop in, like, hip hop? I don't really think Gordon Hayward is. Gordon Hayward's a gamer, right? He, like, he plays, like, a league, League of Legends. So I guess he can kind of, you know, if the city life is not great, you know, he's married, he's a gamer, he's got a kid, so, you know, it doesn't need to be that amazing. Well, don't get me wrong, like, there, there's lots around Boston that's good. It's obviously a good city, city of champions, quote-unquote. I mean, you got Cape Cod just up the road there that you can go to if you're a secluded getaway kind of guy. You got New York right. City a little while away. Like, there's lots, there's lots around it, and that's not to say Boston is garbage by any means. There's a lot of, like, fun historical things to do in right. Boston as well. Yeah, this has got the history. It's truly a sports town. Yeah. So when Hayward is signed to Boston, then, like, it's a dogfight. Or maybe, I don't even know if it's a dogfight. Maybe they're clearly, they might be clearly better than the Raptors. That's interesting to look at. Because if the Raptors and the the Celtics are, like, at the same level of, like, uh, ability right now, and they sign Hayward, like, that, I would would assume that makes the Celtics prospectively, you know, like, on paper, better than the Raptors. I no. would think so. <laughs> yeah. But that's all contingent upon, like, what do the Raptors do? You know? And, I mean, I hate they going do, back they're to over this, the cap, so bro. True. They're over the cap. Yeah. They're, in the, they're in the luxury tax if they resign. Lowry. I was literally going to say two things. to say, one, it's all contingent on Lowry. And two, even if Lowry does come back, they're still going to be hard-lined on the cap. Right? So, like, they're basically just set to, like, if they're not making a trade, they're just going to chill. There's nothing to do. They're probably going to try and see if they can find... Um, somebody at the minimum or mid-level. I don't even know if you get the mid I think you get the mini mid-level when you're in the tax, so, like, it's minuscule amounts of money, so... I mean, minuscule... Yeah, talking, like, a Jared Solinger-type player again, potentially. Right. right, and, you know, it worked out last year because they made the trade using him, but I just don't... I just don't see it. Me neither. <laughs> and I don't know what they can do. Like, we all know what they can do, and that's make a trade for a cap relief, kind of like what the Lakers did with uh, dumping Mozgov. You know, but the cost to lot. trade rid of a guy with Moscow was the number two pick in the draft a couple years ago. Yeah, that's a huge, huge, huge cost. Yeah, right. So I'm not, I'm not really down to be trading like Norman Powell. I don't want to trade Norman Powell because I think he's really good, right? So I don't really think you know if we're gonna offload Damari for and we're giving away Norman Powell. I'm like, okay, then now we just have no wings. <laughs> See, I, I don't think they're gonna trade Powell at all. Period, because. I know he trains in the Bay Area and out on the West Coast in the offseason and lives there. But for him to be at the meeting with Casey, Lowry, and DeRozan a few weeks ago, well, is that just like by mistake? He just happened to be eating at the same restaurant? <laughs> like, I don't think so. I think I he's there for a reason. Yeah, yeah, he's probably there for a reason. I wonder how much um, stock the the team is putting into that player. Like Norman Powell? Yeah, I'm curious. Because he's obviously very good. And I think this is two years in a row where he basically saved the team from elimination when he was slotted into the lineup and was playing significant minutes. So how much like how much stock are they really putting into him? Because he's a shooting guard that is, you know, he's short, but he can also kind of play small four because his arms are real long. And he's kind of reminding me, not because of the same skill set, but because of the same physical tools. You know, Draymond Green is like really short for a power forward. Like he's six yep. foot seven, right? And uh, sometimes he's playing center, but he's got these long ass arms. And you know, Norman Powell is basically like the same thing. Like he's short for a small forward, like he's six foot four, but he's got these gargantuan length arms that he's, you know, serviceable as small forward. 
that is making him, you know, worthwhile at small forward. So maybe they just, I don't know if Dwayne Casey (laughs) is down for that (laughs) to be playing him at small forward and just be like, you're the small forward now. But that's the more I think about it and the more I, you know, I'm looking at it. It's just like, maybe just play him at small forward to start him, bro. Like, is anybody really punishing you at small forward other than LeBron and KD? Paul I George. So. I mean, you, you look around the league, and a lot of teams are playing smaller lineups now. It's right, no secret. I mean, that's a trend. And having a guy like Norman Powell doesn't mean you have to play him forty-eight minutes. You can get creative with a lot of things that you do rotationally. You can pre-switch your defense, which we saw Golden State do to the Cavs at will during the finals. Like, there's a lot of different tactics you can use now in basketball to to hide guys. Right, exactly. So when you know when we're looking at him and like, oh, he's a little bit small for a shooting guard and like he's small for a small four but like every every year every year put him in the starting lineup or he's playing significant minutes and like this guy saves the team from from uh floundering in the series like Demarion Carroll wasn't even getting minutes in some <laughs> some of the games you know what i mean so maybe Demari. he just, so maybe <laughs> so maybe you just put him into the small forward spot because in the draft the draft isn't looking too hot for the Raptors, you know? They're picking, what, 23rd? 27th. 23rd. 23rd. Right? Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> right? I think 23rd. I was wondering, you get 23, 27 that I'm looking at right now, and I'm like, wait, am I looking at the wrong sheet? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 23rd, right? So it's like, they're not really drafting anybody significant. More than likely, no. I mean, you look at the draft and you go, okay, there's a handful of names you could go through and say, yeah, I could see him being there, but... Like every NBA draft, they're mostly top-heavy. And that's not an indictment on not having enough good players. It's just the nature of the beast is that the teams at the top are usually going to get the better players because, you know, that's the way a lottery works. Right. So when you're, so, looking, when you're looking at your draft board <laughs> for the Raptors, who, who do you have on it? Because I remember last ugh. year we actually had we had people to look at, and then they kind of like, uh, I don't want to be too harsh on them, but I, they squandered it. They squandered that, that Knicks pick, dude. I think so. Because Scal. But, Scal. Yeah, I, I don't think they should have taken Scal that high. But I think they could have maybe traded back. There's so many different things we can look at. He was available with but both picks. I, that's the thing I was going to say. Is the second pick, I was kind of surprised they took him. Or sorry, they took Pascal over Scal. Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. And, of course, a lot of people are saying, you know, Pascal. Or sorry, not Pascal. Now I'm all mixed up. Uh, Scal soft. And he doesn't have to drive. And insert any negative comment you could put here about All right, man. when when he's styling on people in in sacramento which he started to do when demarcus cousins was gone then everybody's gonna be like oh my god this is gonna be the the marcus aldridge situation again i swear man i swear it's gonna be the same situation I'm like we had him there twice twice why didn't we draft him and like when we yeah. see him like <laughs> crushing the league on sacramento we're gonna be like i can't believe this happened again like the skill- i can honestly see that <laughs> all of his skills translate to the NBA and like just people are like oh he's too small or he's too soft I'm like do you not I, I, I'm, he's like what, I think he was like 7 foot 2 and he runs like a gazelle like he runs like Blake Griffin bro he like he, I, I, yeah he's just kind of he's just kind of raw but we saw you know stages that he can develop and he took those steps late in the season so I, let's not talk about Scal let's not talk about Scal anymore <laughs> Um, before I even give you a list of guys that I think that we could look at here, and since you're asking that, I gotta ask you, what do you think the Raptors' needs are first? Because I feel like most teams draft according to need, or if the talent is there and it's just a player that you just can't say no to, they take them. But 
in the case of the Raptors, I feel like they have certain needs they need to address. So what do you think they are? They need a small forward, unless they're going to play Paul at, to start Paul. And they also need um, a center, like a starting center. Like JV is probably should be traded, but they need a center. I don't see. I don't know if that'll happen, but I agree with you. Yeah, they need a center. I mean, they need a center, or unless they think Pirtle's going to become the the center for the team. Because Pirtle's, you know, he's more agile than JV. He's got some bounce to him. I remember the dunk, right? He's got the tools. Yeah. He's got the tools like to actually be legit center, starting center. I don't. He's not going to be like a star starting center, but like you know, good role player. Like I would. He's like a championship level players <clears throat> role player. So yeah. Well, I mean, you you look at what they have, JV who unanimously we both agree that if you can trade him, do it. He doesn't fit what's happening in the NBA. And for what it's worth, to see a guy like Mozgov get traded, there's still hope. There's still hope. <laughs> Dwight, Dwight Howard got traded too. So, you know, you can still lose big men this week. All right? I was I was negative as hell before saying that. The only way you can move a big man is for another big man. Well, we got proved wrong yesterday. Oh so, my goodness. there's hope. Aside from JV, you're looking at Bebe, Pirtle, and I guess if you want to get creative here, considering that Messiah said they're going to play a new brand of basketball, you can yeah, run Pascal's a stretch yeah, five. Okay. I, do you have more faith in Bebe or Pirtle at this point right now? I have more faith that we're going to find somebody in this draft. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Woo. Okay. So Look, tell I, me. I think, I think Pirtle can develop into something nice, but I just see him as that – off the bench, very smart, versatile, second unit kind of guy. Okay. I know we're only one year in, but he just has that look. Like I'm not saying he's not going to be a useless player. I think he could be very useful. He's raw. He's young. He has a lot of good intangibles to him. With Bebe, yeah, he's funny. Mm-hmm. He's jokes. He does good things. He hustles. He's still prone to fouls after being in the league for, what, five years now? Um, can't really shoot. Just rebounds like he's a poor man's DeAndre Jordan, and I'm talking like ultra poor. Poor, yeah. Homeless not even man. using food stamps. Like you're getting like donations, like you know. Homeless man. Yeah, you're homeless. He's a homeless man's DeAndre Jordan. He catches lobs though. Homeless man's DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> he catches lobs. I mean, that's pretty much all he does. I mean, he's not even a good. He's not even that good of a rebounder, and he's a shot blocker, but not like a good defensive center. Like he just blocks the shots. Yeah. So and he's going for pump fakes 24-7. I'm sorry? And he's going for pump fakes 24-7, man. I mean, like, anytime you just raise the ball above your head one time and, like, his shoes are left on the ground. He's out. Yeah, I'm pretty shoes. sure you tweet about that once a game when he does it. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to, man. Oh, it's, so, it's so jarring whenever he does it because he never needs to leave the ground. That's just, like, a, like a high IQ play. It's just, like, don't jump. You don't need to. It drives me nuts. Right. So I'm looking at the draft here, and you know, center and wing players are obviously the two areas of need that I had as well. But I'm looking at their pick, and they're picking 23, and I go to myself, okay, you're probably not going to get somebody who's going to contribute right away at 23. Like you might get somebody who can, you know, maybe come off the bench, stuff like that. So I'm looking at these picks, and I go, you know, you might as well try and hit a home run and take guys to the high ceiling. Something like, you know, what the what the Warriors saw with Draymond, what the Raptors ended up getting with Norm Powell, like. Would that not make sense here, or do you think playing it safe is a better option? That totally makes sense to me. It's made sense to me for the past two years. Yeah, I just think if you're going to try and get somebody 23, you might as well 
trying to hit a home run. And I'm looking back at Masai Jury's history of who, what he likes to take. He likes guys with length, mm-hmm. tons of length. Like mm-hmm. I swear he is trying to build the longest team, and the Bucks just beat him to it. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what he wanted to do. Right. Okay. So I'm looking. At, I'm looking at centers. And there's some guys on the list here that I think are definitely going to go ahead of the Raptors. Now there's been some talk about them potentially trying to move up, but names that just come up to me right away are, are Jared Allen of Texas. I mean, he's 6'11", but his wingspan is 7 feet, 5 and a quarter inches. And watching Jared Allen play a lot of Texas, I mean, he gets up and down the floor for a big man. He's a one-and-done type player. He probably could have went back and won Big 12 player of the year if he came back for his sophomore season, but I get it. He's going. He's going to get his money. But he, he's a player that's still a little bit raw, but there's a lot to like in his game. And if the Raptors were going to trade up and try and get somebody, I think Jared Allen is the ideal target for them. So okay. that's trade up. One wow. guy. Yeah, no, I think th- I think they would trade up to try and get somebody because <sighs> Masai keeps saying player development is so important for them. He keeps saying how you know you got to develop through the draft with the new CBA and the right. rules, and basically it encourages you to to draft guys and then sign them long term, and just everything points back to player development. So I can see him saying, hey. Chances of us getting a free agent this season outside of Lowry is what slim. Like we're both saying, I don't know who they're going to get. Right. So that's why I see trading up making a lot more sense than some people are like to say it right now. Okay. Um, another guy I think that could be potential at center is uh, I, can't, I can't even say his name, man. Um, Ike Enigbogo, UCLA six oh. ten, wingspan is off the charts. He's seven foot six and a quarter inches. That's massive wingspan again. That's something mm-hmm. that fits the jury. I guess model if you want to put it. Um, didn't do much at UCLA in his freshman season. He's really raw, but he's somebody who has a ton of upside, and that's a word you're going to hear a lot. I picked number 23 is upside, potential, ceiling. He's just somebody that I think if you're the Raptors at 23 and he's there, you take him. Why not? Yeah, why not? You know, it goes back to the scout thing last year. There's certain tools there. He's not the greatest shooter, but if you're looking for somebody who can protect the rim, get up and down the floor, and possibly develop a jump shot because he has the frame to mm-hmm. develop one, you know. That's another guy. Um, before I get into wings, though, I guess you got anybody else you want to add to centers? No, I think those those are two. I mean, those are two of mine. I just I was surprised that you went for trade up. I'm like, wow, this guy is a. Who, who do they have to separate with to trade up? Well, that's the thing. That's like that a, means, Van Vliet. That needs a center. I mean, like, who are you who, when you said trade up? Right, they're gonna have to trade somebody to trade up, right? I think that's they would like, just trade another pick. Yeah, they tr- oh, so they're going to trade their now pick plus the next year's, like next year's first rounder. Do we even have next year's first rounder? I think I think a second or something they might okay. trade. Or okay. again, I think they might trade one of their cluster of guards that they have. I mean, you look at yeah, a guy they, like Van Fleet; he could definitely <laughs> help you move up. I know oh. people don't want to part ways with him, but this is all contingent upon the Raptors resigning Lowry. But let's say Messiah said that him and Lowry have had conversations, and he was working at the Raptors facility as of Tuesday. So that's definitely a good sign. Let's just say they re-signed Lowry, and now we have Lowry, Corey Joseph, DeLon Wright, Fred Van Fleet. We're right back to having this logjam at point guard, so right, okay. moving one of them in a deal makes sense for me as to why the Raptors could move up. Okay. Because you look at some of the teams ahead of them, like the Bulls at 16. Mm-hmm. They need just about everything, right? <laughs> I people could feed me the whole Rondo bullshit about how you know he played good in the postseason. That's the only time Rondo shows up. Aside from that, Rondo doesn't give a damn. <laughs> okay. I hate to break with people, like, you know? Even the the Pacers at 18. Pacers, yeah. I'm not saying they're going to move up a lot, but these teams make sense. If you really want to stretch it out... And if you I'm the Pacers, and, you know, the Pacers probably want their pick, though. They probably won't trade down just because of the Paul George dilemma. 
Well, weren't they trading both their picks? Or weren't the Lakers trading both their picks to, uh, you know, the Pacers for Paul George? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. And then, at that point, then, sure, they're, yeah. they're willing to so, trade down for stuff. Uh, there's a lot of options there. There's a lot of options I think they could do. Okay. Um, you got nobody else to center? Not really, man. You got, I mean, the center, the center pool is kind of like all the same. It's just like, I just want a long dude who is tall. Which almost all of them are long and tall. Like they're all got like seven, seven foot three, seven foot six, seven foot two, wingspan, right? Even though some of them might be like six, six ten. Like uh, Bam, Bam is six ten. But uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's nothing really. Not this blowing my doors off at center. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's one more that you could possibly say he has knee issues. It's Harry Giles from Duke. He was former number one recruit in the land, highly touted supposed to be this next prototypical center big man that can play you know anywhere on the court run a hype screen and roll just so much to like about his game and now he has the knee issue that i don't want to say teams don't know what's going on because i feel like they do and they're just not releasing it but there's a lot of risk attached to him so i think he's somebody else too that the raptors might take a look at okay i kind of i crossed him off just because of the knee thing but if yeah see but if you want to put him on okay i'll put him on there (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, he's a former number one recruit. There's a lot of ta- a lot of upside with him, so I think he's worth having on, just for the sake of alone that the talent's there, but the knee might not be, you know. Okay. I guess you're scared of Greg Oden potential. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah. I loved Greg. I loved Greg Oden too, and then like his knees, and then people were like, "Ah, oh, is one leg longer than the other? I don't know." And then <laughs> his knees exploded again, and then it's just, yeah. So I just I'm just worried about it happening again with Harry Jones. Even though he's gonna be like the twenty third pick or whatever, so it's not that big of a deal. It's just you know, you're trying to get better. Especially in the East with like what might be a power vacuum soon. Right? So you're trying to make sure every single one of these draft picks count in some way. Whether they'll be trade fodder or whether they'll be off the bench or they actually become part of the starting lineup, you want them to have some sort of value. Right, so if you're a guy that's constantly injured, or if you're 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 just not able to perform because your knees are are messed up, then that's a problem. Yeah. Right. Okay, who do you got in the wings? For wings, I only have like one. There's only been like one dude I've really been looking at, which is a uh, like Tyler Linden, right? Really? Okay. Okay. But that's about it. I don't the wing like the when we get down to the twenties, nobody's like really popping for me. It's slip pickings. I mean, there is one guy that stood out to me that is like he's a project player. He didn't even play in the NCAA last year. He played in Australia. Um, Terrence Ferguson, man. Oh, this Terrence guy. Ferguson. Yeah, the seven, yeah six foot seven. He, he can shoot. Right? He can yeah, shoot. he can shoot. I mean, I, I like that. I like that. Any I like anybody that can shoot. He's from what, he was playing in Australia. I think. Uh, yeah, Adelaide. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I like anybody that can shoot. I think who was the guy that we were looking at last year that was on the D League. His name escapes me right now. He was like six foot seven. He was just like a sniper. He was on he was on the D League team. He had like blonde hair. Damn, I can't remember his name. EJ Singler. Yes, right. So he kind of like it's just like a small four that can just shoot, and that's all he does. You know, you can find uh you can find a place in the league for that. Yeah, that's the guy with, like, Terrence Ferguson could be that guy, potentially. I mean, he, he, this is a throwback here for the older people. He has a little uh, Reuben Patterson to his game, you know? Maybe not mm-hmm. the mean streak, but he's got that long, lanky, rangy body, 
and he's he's just got a nice stroke, man, a nice shot. Okay. So I know he wasn't too productive in Australia, but yeah, thirty nine percent from three though. It. Yeah, you can see what he has there. You know, like th- there's some some things to like. I'm surprised you didn't say Jordan Bell actually from Oregon. Oh, uh, yeah. he's kind of like a traditional power forward, but yeah, exactly. This in now I'm trying to look for unorthodox people in the in the draft because that's what it feels like is like the the next step <laughs> in yeah. in the league is just like somebody that's just unorthodox that nobody can really tell or figure out what they're going to do like like the, all the great all of course all the great players are in some way an or, unorthodox player like Steph Curry can shoot like crazy Kevin Durant is seven foot tall but it plays like a shooting guard LeBron is a small forward that is also a tank that is also like an eagle that is also (laughs) (laughs) right and then like you know like any player that or Kawhi Leonard is half spider half octopus half shark half you know man half you know corn road assassin right so when you're looking at the draft I just try I'm trying to look for like these obtuse guys that like can contribute in a way that seems you know kind of weird but also makes sense that they're like it's hard to describe <laughs> it's hard to describe anybody's trying anybody looking in the draft they're trying to look for the next Draymond Green but like you're really looking for some guy that does multiple things well and is somehow an anomaly in doing those multiple things well like a, a power four that can pass that is like a, a primary primarily a passer that also shoots threes that is also like a defensive monster is very unorthodox right extremely especially the later picks i mean if you're the raptors too and you don't necessarily believe that there's a player there at 23 you know that can help you and you feel like you might slide in the second round you could always possibly trade that pick to let's say the 76ers because i mean the sixers have picks 36 and 39 so you could package 23 for maybe both those second rounders mm-hmm. that might be another option just just to go off what you're saying about the whole you know you're really looking for unorthodox, just different guys that may fit like a singular need. And for the Raptors that need to be shooting, so. Right, exactly. Or you're just looking for a guy, or maybe somebody that has like an edge. You know, like Marcus Smart. Right, he was still like a well-touted prospect, but like his one of his main uh, things was like, this guy has like a serious edge. Like he just makes, he makes winning plays, you know. Yep. He has a mean streak. He's a gamer. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> like all of those buzzwords, but like all those buzzwords point to like the inti- intangible of like this guy is trying to win twenty four seven. Every ball that is a loose ball, he wants it. Right. Anytime there is like a, a rebound that might that's a fifty fifty, it's a sixty forty for him. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. Yes. That's what you're looking for when, especially late in the draft, where they are at twenty three. So. Where do you see the Canadian going, Dylan Brooks? I know Draft Express has him at 35 to the Magic. Um, before this all got closer to the draft, I want to say about, you know, two months ago roughly, Draft Express had him at near the end of the second round. So obviously he's jumped up and impressing people. Where do you see him going? Dude, for me, I'm going to be honest with you. I look at the draft, like the first 30 is like what I pay attention to the most. And then it has to be like somebody like super special for them for me to like really be paying attention to them in the second round i know he's a canadian dude right and i should be <laughs> i guess i should because he's from mississauga right so like i guess i should be like really paying attention to him a lot but like i don't know i've never really 
I never, I don't even think, I don't even, he played for the Ducks, right? Like, he never really popped for me when I was watching the Ducks play, because I did pick them to advance a couple rounds in, <laughs> in March Madness, but I don't know, I never, he never really showed me anything huge. He's kind of just like, you know, running the mill. I hate to say that, like, he just looks like a standards, you know, 6'6 dude, the small forward, you know, his average everything, average wingspan for a small forward, you know, average vertical jump, I don't know. I hate You're to. Say, I hate to. <laughs> yeah, no. I, this, it's tough to argue against it. Like I've seen Dylan Brooks play since he was at St. Martin's in Mississauga High School. Right. Um, went used to play at the Valleys all the time there at the community center. Good kid, good player. His issue has always been his size, and it's not even his fault. Like he's six seven, but his wingspan's only six six. So he has this weird body where he is that size, and he's two hundred fifteen pounds. You know, like gonna... he's he's kind of husky, right. and. He, like he doesn't, he's not going to out jump you. He's maybe going to out muscle in a few balls. He's just, he's just a really good player in an awkward body, if that makes sense. Exactly. And I think a lot of teams are just going to be reluctant to be like, well, where do we play this guy? It's kind of like Draymond Green syndrome all over again. Yeah, and it's going to be hard. But the difference is like the wingspan is going to make it hard for him to defend people. Like he's can't, he's not going to be able to go up a position to defend people. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean he was erratic at times at Oregon where he would play with. Like uh, the ball handler, and he would just he just make dumb decisions to put it bluntly. And I guess it's like a little bit harder because like spoken with him a few times here, and like you know you don't want to not shit on a guy because you know him, but at the same time like he's such a nice guy that it makes it a little bit more difficult, I guess you could say. Right. And I- I'm just looking at it, I'm like, man, like some of the games for Oregon, he was a ghost. Take the national championship game for example. Mm-hmm. Didn't even notice him out there. Yeah. Didn't that's even true. notice him. Like those are problems that you just can't have in the NBA. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I'll I'll keep an eye on him because he's from our our uh, our hometown Mississauga, right? Right. Yeah, so I, I mean I think he gets drafted. Don't get me wrong. No, I, I think, think he's he gonna get drafted, drafted too. It's just I'm gonna write his name down. I'm gonna follow him around the league. I'll probably have him. I have like a, a notepad. Anybody that knows me knows that I have like this uh, yellow notepad where I have like basically anything basketball related. Any thoughts I have, I have it written down on it. So I'll write his name down. I highlight it. I have a bunch of highlighters, and I'll follow him. See so you downgrade the yellow notepad before it used to be a lot more descriptive describing it. Now it's just <laughs> a yellow notepad. I mean, I have this <laughs> it's this huge yellow legal pad that has no it has no margins on it, right? It just has all horizontal lines on it, and that's where I write literally every basketball thought. Almost every basketball thought I have is written down on it, and I have multiple of them now because I ran out. And then my friends, like I told my friends I ran out of them and I couldn't find the notepad. And they actually went out to go look for it and, and buy a bunch of them for me. So now I have like three or four of them that sit in a stack. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to write his name down. I'll follow him. I'm interested. I, I didn't I didn't know he was from Mississauga. I knew he was uh, Canadian, but I didn't know he was from Mississauga. So now I'm, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> now I'm, I'm not happy intrigued intrigued. now. And I'm happy you actually described your yellow notepad properly because before... You know, that was your pride and joy, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, in the off season, it doesn't get as much it doesn't get as much use. But when it's during like the regular season or the playoffs, especially, like I'm taking notes on literally every quarter of every game, right? So we'll see. We'll, we'll is, you'll be in there. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I am excited for the draft tomorrow night, just because you know, from Alonzo Ball storyline to. All these trade rumors we're hearing right now. I know NBA offseason is unlike any other offseason out there where the rumors are, man, 
nuts. Kazoos. Zach Lowe. <laughs> nuts. Where is this person going? Are they going to make a trade? Uh, who is getting drafted third to, to, third to sixth? I don't know. Is Jason Tatum really that good? What about Josh Jackson? Will he ever develop a jump shot? Right. right so there's a lot I have of a friend of mine, too, who's in New York. He texts me, and we were talking back and forth about uh, you know, the Porzingis rumors and Phil Jackson. Is he crazy enough? He's trying to get fired. My buddy said to me, he goes... <laughs> He goes, they'll nail Phil Jackson to Times Square and burn him alive if he trades Porzingis. <laughs> I was like, okay, how do you really feel? They love Porzingis, man. I love him too. And just like, you know, the fact that Porzingis doesn't talk to the to the head office about anything, really. Like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, school for him. Like, he's in class, doing the training camp, doing regular season. And as soon as the thing ended, like the season ended, he's just like, peace. He just went home. Well, here, give me your thoughts on that before we go, because this situation is just, it's so Knicks. That's the only way I can describe it. And everybody's like, yeah, it makes sense now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> give oh, me your thoughts this, on Just that. the scenario like, in general? I mean, it's just like... Well, what's going on with the Knicks? It's a disaster. It, no, but, like, it's actually a disaster now, because Mel, like Mello hates the front office. He hates Phil Jackson. I don't know. You, there's nothing you can do to, to say to convince me that he doesn't hate Phil Jackson. He hates Phil Jackson. He hates the triangle. Kristaps seeing this, like, can you imagine this? Like, you're the the new guy at your workplace, right? And uh, there's this guy that's been working there for uh, multiple years, right? And there was, like, an old boss that sucked, and the previous boss that sucked, and there was a previous boss that also sucked, and now the new boss is in, right? And the guy that has been, you know, the aged veteran dude that has been there for multiple years he hates the new boss and the new boss hates him and then there's always like these you know microaggression jabs between the guy that's been there for multiple years and the new boss and like they're going back and forth back and forth back and forth and you're just a new guy and you're just like man is this what happens all the time and then people on the side are like kinda yeah and you're just like man how many how many more how many years of experience do I need to get like my next job basically that's where he is right now because he's not talking to anybody within the organization, right? And he's just like, they're trying to trade him. So if I'm him, if I'm Chris Stops, right? I'm just like, man, how many more years until my next contract? Until I can leave? That's basically, I'm like, that's a disaster. If you're going to, if he's like an amazing player, like I really think he's like probably the second, like on a championship winning team, he's probably the second best, maybe best, if you have like a lot a good surrounding cast best player or second best player on a championship team on your squad and he's just like man i'm just trying to i'm trying to wait until the end of this contract and be out of here like they're trying to trade me already like i don't understand like if you're him why do you want to be a part of the knicks other than playing i I think i could give uh, a good way for you to say what his value is if you're the lakers would you trade the number two pick for him yes like right now maybe for lonzo ball i don't know but probably like probably yeah i would i'm like okay give me good stuff there you go that's Give me Chris Stubbs, like, play Chris Stubbs at center. I can finally play Julius Randle, and it, like, makes sense for me to play him, right? And then the second, like, they're probably going to suck next year. They're probably, you're trying to, they're probably going to suck, but not that bad, so they don't lose their pick next year, because they have that, what, pick protection between two and five. So maybe if they suck totally, like, if they don't totally suck, but they still suck, they can probably keep their pick and get, like, two to five, and they get, like, another draft pick to go along with Porzingis, and plus you still have... Larry Nance Jr., uh, Julius Randle. I guess it doesn't make any... Maybe it might not make sense now because they lost Russell. 
but there's still like it's. I would still make the trade if I'm if I'm the Lakers. I don't think Lonzo Ball is going to be that amazing. Yeah, and that tells you just right there alone how good of a player Porzingis is in terms of you know if you put him any other draft class like you put I think he goes number one if he's in this year's draft. But the point of all this is that he's still young. Amazing. He's still a great player. He's, he's a building block. He's amazing. Like a cornerstone of your franchise, and they're trying and they're about to trade him. Like what what what's going on here? And you don't have. And he's one of those guys, like, you don't have to baby him, right? But you gotta, like, you know, be competent around him, bro. <laughs> like, Seriously. Like, you just have to be, you know, Kristaps is gonna, like, the extent of how much you need to baby him is, like, Kristaps, you do you, right? And we're just gonna, like, do, we're just gonna, like, try and build up. Like, if this team sucked, but it had direction, then he'd be fine, right? He seems like the type of dude, like, you know, whatever, we're, we suck right now, but we got all these dudes and... You know we're up and comers, and we're gonna we're gonna kill the league in a couple of years. But right now he's just like, I don't know what's going. He's like, if I'm Chris Ups, I'm like, what the hell is? Ha- I don't know what's happening. Like, there's the nobody does. <laughs> nobody does. Anymore. Like, there's the aging star that uh, that is just seemingly just collecting checks. I don't. He's gonna get traded. I don't know. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't understand anything of what's going on anymore. And I, we don't even know if Phil Jackson. Maybe Phil. The conspiracy. Do you know what the conspiracy is on Phil Jackson? There's been a few, so you, I mean, cons- I've gotten lost reading some of these on Reddit and hearing them in uh, the cons- podcasts. So feel free to enlighten me on the one that you're going to say. The conspiracy that I've heard that I like, I've heard it on Twitter and I've heard it on a podcast before, is Phil Jackson is trying to get fired so he can go back to the Lakers with Genie Bus and then be part of the next Lakers franchise or next Lakers uh, like dynasty or whatever. Could you imagine Genie, Phil, and Magic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah come on yeah <laughs> that's a hollywood script i've ever heard of one that'd be amazing i mean we're talking about like the start of a movie basically seriously with lonzo and lavar yeah and then you know and you know what would happen uh he goes to the lakers right and then the lakers like build up this amazing team and then like Kristaps goes to like the celtics or something right and then they they go head to head basically and then like, Kristaps wins like two two championships in a row over the Lakers. She's gone oh. too far. <laughs> I've lost you. <laughs> That's the movie, man. That's the movie right there. That's the movie. <laughs> One final thing on Porzingis is Nate Duncan brought up a good point when he said that, you know, if you're the Knicks and you have no direction and you're basically pissing off one of your best players right now, maybe it's smart to part ways with them. I know it sounds crazy, but his value might not be any higher than now because if he comes back next season and he's not happy and he doesn't want to play the triangle and he doesn't work and it's just a disaster, yeah, you're not going to get anything well. for him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's right. the other side of the coin too. And I thought like, you know, it's Scrap a very the fucking triangle, dude. Viewpoint. Why are we still talking about the triangle? Like that is – if I'm Kristaps again, <laughs> like why are we even talking about the triangle, man? This is not geometry. This is I basketball, <laughs> okay? We should be playing pick and rolls. And I want some fluid sets where I can get the ball off screens and take jump shots or some sort of like pick and pops where I'm shooting threes. Like, why are we talking about the triangle? Why are we still doing post-ups? Seriously, put some basic motion principles in there with some screen roll offense and you're fine. Like you're any, fine. like I basically, I just want every action that I'm doing, I want the screener to be Porzingis. And if we're doing the triangle, we're minimal, there's minimal screening, minimal. And we're not getting threes out of the triangle. Like what's going on here, dude? Why are, we, why are we running, like, 1989 no offense? I just don't understand, bro. It doesn't make any sense. You don't, you don't like it? It's asinine, man. It's, so, it's asinine <laughs> and it's archaic, bro. 
hey, if you have those two A's, like, you just need to scrap it. Just get rid of it. It just makes zero sense. None. Zero. Literally zero. I don't know what Phil Jackson is thinking anymore, man. I don't know if he's, like, I don't know if it's just because he's old and he's trying to do the get-off-my-lawn type thing. Like, you know, back in my day, we used to, you know, climb two mountains, go through Mariana's Trench, and, like, you know, surf down the slopes to get to school or something. I don't understand. But, like, that's not going to fly in the NBA, man. You can't just you can't just go backwards like that. It doesn't work like that. Phil Jackson turning into sucks. what Toronto man's like to call? A waste man. He's a waste man. Oh, he's a waste man for real, dude. This is This is crazy. Like he's just running the, the man team with so the, many rings has gone insane. He's running the team into the ground, and if you're like James Dolan, then you're just like this is this is gravy, bro. Like how yeah, bad he's like, even more psychotic, so he loves it. Yeah, but like <laughs> yeah, he's I mean he's he loves it because he's crazy, but he also loves it because like he finally has somebody to just like take the heat. You know, he's like off playing in his freaking band. You know, was it JD in the straight <laughs> shot or something like that? And he's like he's playing in his band, and he's just like yeah, my team's being run into the ground still, and we're still making ton of money. And I'm not the bad guy for once. Yay. That's what he's thinking. I hate him. His band sucks. Goodbye. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This, the, this is the Tim of the Tower podcast. I have nothing nice to say. <laughs> I have nothing nice to say. This is the Tim of the Tower podcast. The Knicks suck. The draft is going to be interesting. We'll see you after the draft. Maybe, maybe we'll do a podcast after the draft or something. To just, just because you know something. Imagine, see how crazy it is right now before the draft. Imagine tomorrow when, like, you know, franchises franchises are on the line and the Magic, Orlando Magic, have to like do something to like salvage their jobs. <laughs> I have a feeling there's going to be some interesting trades. So do I, and we could definitely come back and tee up free agency, discuss more NBA rumors, um, conspiracy theories. I mean, there's so much fun stuff with the NBA right now that I feel like we could definitely do a few more. Yeah, All right. we'll be back soon. We're back now. We've been on hiatus for like three weeks. Well, we kind of fell in depression here because you know we realized that the NBA was ending, and that the people out there that were saying the Cavs are going to beat the Warriors, we just kind of chuckled off to the side, mm-hmm. sipped our tea, you know, like Kermit the Frog, Kermit and the frog. we we're just like, LOL. And then you realize after that there's still more basketball to go in terms of like free agency interesting stuff. But before that, it was kind of like, yeah, it's just really anticlimactic. Right. We got mental basketball to play now. (laughs) (laughs) Mental and monetary basketball. That's what we're playing at this moment. GM mode. GM mode. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody just fire up my GM and that's what we're doing right now. We're trying to organize a trade and such. (laughs) Anyways. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Cranus, and you can follow Damar on Twitter at Damar J. Cranus. We'll see you guys after the draft, and uh, hopefully we see some crazy stuff tomorrow night, guys, because it's been nuts so far. Until then, take care. Later, days.